0: man would you show your appreciation to pastor zach and pastor chuck and our team for leading us so well rick thank you for your heart what a generous way to demonstrate that well we're so glad you're here today if we haven't met my name is bobby i get to serve as one of the pastors and we love this season i don't know about you guys but pastor chuck and miss jenny they've been listening for to christmas music since the beginning of october any of y'all that way yeah some of you started decorating way before Thanksgiving. How many of you have been decorated a while now? How many of you waited till Thanksgiving to say, now it's time to go crazy? Anybody? Yeah. Well, we love the season. We absolutely love the season. It's called the Advent season, which is a Latin word that talks about the arrival, the anticipation that Jesus, the Messiah, would come. And so we intentionally want to say every single year, Let's slow down, let's pause, let's get ready. And so this year's uh, series that we kick off this week is called A Weary World Rejoices. And so we're so glad you're here today. If you're new, man, thanks for being here. If you're new online, thanks for watching with us today. But if you have your Bibles, be finding Matthew chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and be grabbing that. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to read this along with me. But today, as we kick off this series, we're talking about this one word We're talking about this word fear. And I love the song that Pastor Zach and the team just let us in. It says, I will not fear. I don't know about you guys, but saying I will not fear is actually easier to say than it is to actually do. Anybody with me on that? It is one thing to say, I will not fear. I will rejoice. It's another thing to actually live that out. And so let's look at this passage together as we think about this idea of the fear of Christmas. If you're able to, physically able to, let's stand together as we read God's Word. Uh, Today I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, but you can follow along in your translation. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You may be seated. Today's teaching is literally called Facing the fear of Christmas I know a lot of times when we think about Christmas we we honestly at least for me I think of this idealized version of Christmas my wife and I we uh, traveled this week We went to Michigan to see stay with her parents for a couple days then we drove over to Michigan to see my aunt and my family and then we came home and the whole time we were going my wife was opening her weather app every single day looking for one thing and you know what it was right she wanted snow, right? And so she's so hopeful. When we got there, there's still snow on the ground from a previous snowstorm, but nothing while we're there. Every day she'd open the app. There's one little snowflake at 3 p.m. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, because that, it feels like the holidays when snow's around. So we didn't get any snow while we we're there, but we did see six deer in my aunt's yard. And so that felt a little Christmassy, right? We have this idealized version of what Christmas ought to look like. In fact, Some of you have been watching Hallmark movies already this year. And I don't know why we watch multiple ones, because they're all exactly the same, aren't they? There's a career woman who has a small business, and there's an evil massive corporation trying to run her out of business. She's too busy to know what the true meaning of Christmas is. And so for whatever reason, she gets forced to live in the country and she's been been dating the wrong guy all along, but she meets the town bachelor who is a veterinarian who teaches her what the true holiday is all about. They get married, they kiss, it snows. And they buy a puppy. Is that not every single Hallmark Christmas movie you've seen? Some, yeah? All the men said, I have watched a few, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate that. Uh, I I was talking to some of my friends after the first service, and they said, literally, they watched a movie this week on Hallmark, and they said, haven't we seen this before? And they're like, no, 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 we haven't seen this one before. And they looked it up, and it was the exact same cast. It was the exact same storyline as another one they saw. They just changed the state. So instead of being Christmas in Mississippi, this one was Christmas in Louisiana. So it'll... It'll warm your heart so a lot of times when we think about christmas we think about all right kiss the snow the dog the whatever but the truth is the the first christmas right when jesus was born on this earth it wasn't this idealistic picture and then we like to sing silent night holy night and we like to think about how nice and calm and neat everything was but when you put yourself in the shoes of that first generation of Christmas, it wasn't a silent night. It was not a peaceful moment. When you think about the savior of the earth being born in a manger, when you think about the hotels not having enough room for them, when you think about them traveling for the family census, there was a lot of drama And there was a lot of fear in that first Christmas. In fact, if you're to look at three accounts of the birth of Jesus, when you read about Mary and the angel showing up, the angel says to her, do not be afraid. And then today, when you read Matthew chapter 1, the angel says to, to, to Joseph, do not be afraid. When you read the account of the angel showing up to the shepherds out in the field, the angel surprisingly says, do not be what? Afraid. And so there's the sense that in that very first Christmas, when God breaks into human history, when God starts that rescue mission by coming to this earth, it wasn't silent, it wasn't peaceful, it wasn't idealistic, there wasn't kissing in the snow and a puppy, you know what I'm saying? There was a lot of fear. And in our generation, I think that's true. I think in our generation, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things that are going on in our life. Sometimes it's fear of what will other people think of me this season, right? Sometimes we, we have that. For sometimes it's fear of, what, what what might God be doing in my life this season? Sometimes it's fear of, what if the economy does not turn around? And what if it keeps crashing? And sometimes it's the fear of, what if I lose my job in the midst of all this? Or the fear of, man, what if my spouse cheats on me? Or what if that cancer comes back again? Or what if I never get married? Or what if I marry somebody and they end up being a jerk? And what if I marry that person that's a jerk and then I end up having kids that look like them? So I'm reminded of that, right? And so... There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear. And the danger of this fear is we'll never get any closer to God than our fear allows us to. And so next week, Pastor Chuck has an amazing word as part of the series. And so I can't wait for that. But today, we want to start by saying, how do you face the fear of Christmas? If your Christmas isn't idealistic, if there's some heartache, if there's some hurt, if there's been some loss, if there's a lot of anxiety going on, what do you do with that? So all I want to do is I just, I just want to take a couple minutes and give you just a simple framework to think about this fear, just as a way of breaking apart, just as a way of just elevating it just for a moment. And then at the end of today, I'm going to invite you to take a step away from fear towards relationships. So if you're a note taker today, uh, I've got three sort of ways to think about this fear. And the first word that I think describes this is number one, the fear of Christmas is honestly what I would call understandable. It's understandable. Sometimes when things don't go exactly the way that we think they ought to, we feel a little guilty. Maybe you didn't have the idealistic Thanksgiving week. Maybe You're replaying Christmas from last year. Maybe you've experienced a major loss this year. And sometimes when we get into the season, there's this unspoken pressure that everything's got to just be perfect. Whether it's the table setting, whether it's the meal, whether it's getting the right gifts for everybody, whether it's having all the family together at the same time, there's this great expectation that everything's got to be great, everything's got to be perfect. And so this fear creeps in and this fear begins to say, well, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if this doesn't play out the way that we thought it should? And so this first word I want to give you today is that this fear is understandable. In other words, there's no judgment here, right? Just because I'm teaching today doesn't mean I've got this all figured out. I am a fellow journeyer along this idea of the fear of Christmas. When you put yourself in Joseph's shoes, it is understandable that he would have fear. I mean, think about what this angel says to Joseph in verse 18. This angel says to him that... that your, your soon-to-be wife is going to be give birth to a son. And it, here's what it says down in this passage. It says, And the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Let me pause for a second. I don't know about you guys, but over the holidays, I ate way too much. Are you with me on that? Uh, at the beginning of the week, I think, man, I'm going to just, you know, I'm, uh, Thanksgiving day, I have a little extra. But then when you're around family all week long, at some point, you're just like, forget it. I'm wearing my stretchy pants. I'm, you know, I've got an extra notch in the belt for Sunday, right? I'm just all in on that, right? And, uh, and, and so uh, what's funny it's so after you eat certain foods, you have weird dreams. I don't know if you are this way or not, but if I have pizza late at night, I have crazy dreams that night. I don't know what it, what's up with that. But I have never had a dream where an angel shows up. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 1. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says, son of David, do not be afraid. I'm thinking, yeah, that's easier to say than do. I mean, sometimes when we think about angels, we think about little chubby babies, like cherubim kind of figures, but angels are powerful. And angels are powerful in scripture. They're warriors in scripture. So if an angel shows up in the middle of the night, I need somebody to remind me, you don't have to be afraid. Are you with me? And so this angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And so when you think about what Joseph is walking through in this moment, Here's three things that are just being turned upside down for him. The first thing that's being turned upside down for him is the person that he loves. I mean, he loves Mary. He's been waiting for this day. They are now engaged, or the other word is they're betrothed. This is a bigger deal than our day and age. For In their day and age, when you're engaged, you're engaged for a year. And during that year, it's an intentional process leading up to the actual consummation of your marriage. And so if you were to break it off during that year, it was just the same as being divorced. So it's a really big deal. And so I don't know how long they'd known each other. Some people think they'd known each other their whole lives. So imagine looking forward to this day. Imagine saying, man, I can't wait for us to get married. I don't know what Joseph's last name was. You know that Jesus is Jesus's name. Christ is not his last name. Y'all know that, right? He didn't, he wasn't, right? It's not Mary and Joseph Christ and the Christ family. Welcome home, Right. Uh, so I don't know Joseph's last name. I don't know if Mary, as a kid, was on Pinterest trying to figure out, "Hey, how's my name going to look like next to his last name, and what are we going to name our kids?" But here's what I do know is, in the middle of this moment, the thing that he loved, Mary, seemed to be taken away from him. Does that make sense? And so sometimes in our lives, when it comes to this fear of Christmas, it's understandable. Why? Because it requires the thing that we love. He did not want to disgrace her. In their day and age, if people found out that she's pregnant and not fully married yet, they could stone her to death. Uh, They could judge her, judge him. Uh, He knows that he hasn't slept with her. He's tried to do the right thing. And so it's that thing that he loves. God's asking, hey, will you trust me with that? There's a second reason why I think it's understandable is because it totally rearranged his plans. Joseph had plans. Their marriage day was pre-arranged. Ever since their kids, they're looking forward to this. And now that she comes up pregnant, their whole world, their whole life is uprooted. And some of you have been walking through that this year. Your whole life has been uprooted. A third thing that honestly was understandable for Joseph is it caused him to re-examine everything that he believed. It says that he considered this, meaning... He has to put this together in his head. In his head, it's, hey, I'm engaged to her. Hey, one day we're actually gonna be married. One day we're gonna consummate that marriage. We're gonna have kids of our own. And now he finds out she's pregnant and it's not his child. She's pregnant and now this angel says it's conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's pregnant and now he's supposed to keep her a virgin until after this baby is born. You can imagine why it took him a while to wrap his brain around that. It caused him to have to read Think everything he believed. I think sometimes holidays do that to us. I think sometimes we get dropped into moments, we get dropped into situations where, man, we are totally interrupted. That thing that we love, that thing that we thought, man, this is the way it's always gonna be. That thing that we had planned around, we made all of these plans, this is the way it's gonna work. And now in the middle of that moment, we have to wrap our heads around this. We have to do what Joseph did and ponder this. Here's the question I want you to write down if you're a note taker. Here's the question. Could it be, that God wants to use, could it be that God wants to use this interruption, could it be that God wants to use this interruption as an invitation to something greater? Could it be that God wants to use this thing that feels like an interruption for Joseph, it's, man, this lady that I've been waiting to marry, she's pregnant, it's not my child. This interruption could actually be an invitation to see God at work this season. And I don't know if this is for anybody else, but I know for me, sometimes I just put so much pressure. I want it to be just right, and I want it just to all work out, and then I get so stressed about it that I can't actually enjoy the moment. And so if that's you, number one, it is understandable. No judgment here. Number two, when it comes to the fear of Christmas, not only is it understandable because in this room and watching online, man, there's a lot of us that have had our lives turned upside down. We've we've had to question some of the things that we believe. There's been some things that we love that were taken away. So number one, it's understandable, but number two, that fear is undesirable. It's undesirable. Sometimes we just are like, man, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Sometimes we just accept it and act like we can't challenge it at all. Sometimes we're like, well, that's, that's just the way it is. But what I want to pause for a moment to say is undesirable. And the reason why it's undesirable is here's what fear has a way of doing. Fear can take a seemingly neutral moment. Fear can take something that is neither positive or negative, it's just a thing. Fear can take a circumstance, fear can take a moment, and here's what fear can do. Fear can distort the mess out of that situation. I know that doesn't sound very theologically deep, does it? I got my master's degree, and the best I could come up with is it distorts the mess out of the moment. All right, maybe that'll be our next Sugar Hill Resource t-shirt, the mess. Which, by the way, I found out after first service, people were going crazy. What does this shirt actually say? It says pray. It came from the resource. But uh, apparently my jacket, or as we like to call it in the McGraw household, my shacket covers that up. So you have to wonder, what is that shirt? It's not a shirt. It's not a jacket. It's a shacket. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You never know what you'll learn. Never know what you'll learn. But here's what fear does. Fear takes something that is neither positive or... It's just a thing. And fear causes us to distort that thing. It causes us to overthink that thing. Anybody else like me and ever been accused of overthinking something? Has anybody just got both hands up? Amen. Right? We sometimes... Here's what happens when fear sets in. Fear takes a circumstance and we don't know the whole reason for the circumstance. We don't know the background of the circumstance. And so here's what the human brain does, when a human brain sees a circumstance but does not know the context of the circumstance, guess what Bobby McGraw's brain does inside his little head? It makes up the most negative version that it can come up with. I don't know if that happens for you guys, but for me, if I'm not careful, if I'm tired, if I'm just worn out, if I'm just not you know, just not in a great place emotionally already, something happens. And if I'm that careful, that something will happen. And in my brain, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like driving home from Indiana yesterday, there's this person, y'all y'all that have been around know, that, uh, man, I, in traffic, if somebody puts their blinker on, I will do the best I can to let them merge in, merge in. But when you're on 75 South and it's bumper to bumper and somebody starts coming over, and they don't have their blinker on, I get stubborn. I'm like, no, sir, you don't have that blinker on. And then they pull in too close, and my car beeps at me, and Laura's scared to death because she's trying to nap, and this thing goes off. And in my head, I'm assuming not the best about that other person, I'm assuming the worst about them. Because that's what my brain does. My brain is they're coming over. They didn't use their stinking blinker. They're just a knucklehead. I can't believe this person. Don't they know I've been on the road for 12 hours now? Don't they know I'm in this race to try to order dinner before we get home? And then we get to the uh, restaurant, pick up our food. We're finally on our way home. And then right at the moment where about five minutes from our house a train starts coming by and in my brain I am thinking every negative thought known to man are you all tracking with me that's what our brains do typically our brains will do that and so what happens is if we're not careful during the holidays something will happen and instead of believing the best we'll end up assuming the worst it's called meaning assignment it's sort of like when you when you're asking uh you know a family member hey Would it be okay if we went to this restaurant for lunch? And then their answer is, sure. Your brain has to decide what kind of sure is that? (laughs) Is that a sure? That'd be awesome. I would love to go. The the restaurant we went to on Friday was called Swing Bellies. It's a burger place. And so we were all swinging our bellies after we ate there. It was a great experience. (laughs) And so it's like, do y'all wanna go to Swing Bellies? Sure, is that a sure? That would be awesome. Is that a sure, uh, you know, whatever? Or is that a sure? Like, I'm going to say yes, but then I'm going to complain after we get there, sure. Right? And what happens is we assign meaning to something that happened, and so. We're like, well, they said sure, so they must hate this place because the sure they gave me was the sure that wasn't, I'm really into this. And so we assign that meaning, well, they don't really want to be here. And then what does our brain do? Our brain looks for evidence that our negative thought was true. It's called confirmation bias. So we look for evidence. It's like, well, they didn't finish their burger. They must have hated it. I made an awful choice. I know that's a silly example, but our brains do this all the stinking time. And so it's undesirable because if we do not get it under control, we'll allow some unspoken, fearful thing to cause us to miss the blessing of the moment joseph could have allowed fear to wreak havoc in his life joseph could have allowed that distortion to happen i can't believe she's pregnant with somebody else's child i can't believe she would do this to me i need to divorce her i need to let her be judged by the world i need to let her be physically stoned to death for her sin if joseph had listened to fear he would have missed the gift that god was giving him does that make sense If we're not careful, we'll miss the gift of the season. Number one, I'm saying it's understandable. No judgment here. We all have fear of the season. Number two, it's undesirable because unchecked fear will distort whatever is actually true in our life. And then finally, number three, it is unnecessary. Now, this is easier to preach than it is to live out because... Uh, you know, our emotions go crazy during the holidays. I mean, this is why we try to pause and slow down and have some intentional events and touch points throughout the season, because if we're not careful, our emotions will be all over the map. Our thoughts will be all over the map. But here's the truth. When we say that it's unnecessary, what we're saying is you do not have to believe everything you think. Right? The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we're to renew our minds. And so not every thought is actually accurate. Not every distortion that fear uh, causes in our life is actually true. We get to decide what we do with it. And the way that we conquer this fear, the way that we address this fear isn't just to know about it. The way that we conquer this fear isn't to Google it and say, well, what's actually true out there? The way that we conquer fear is actually through relationship. It's through relationship. Somebody said it this way. They said 90% of the things that we fear will never actually happen. 90% Right, 90% of the things that we get so worked up about, we get worst case scenario about, we misinterpret. 90% of the things we fear never actually happen. And the 10% that does happen, we can't control anyway. So why are we staying so worked up about it? Does that make sense? And so here's the decision Joseph has to make. Am I gonna respond with more drama? Am I gonna go off of America? I can't believe you. you're pregnant, you came up. What? You're telling me the Holy Spirit, that's a crazy story. Or is he gonna respond with character? And so here's what it says. I mean, this is so amazing. It says in verse 28, Uh, Actually, back in 24, it says, When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he divorced Mary, he put her on trial, and he had her stoned. Is that what your Bible says? That's a terrible preacher jerk thing that we like to do to make sure you're still paying attention. In case you were one of those people Chuck was saying was texting, where are we going to lunch? Now, here's what it says. When Joseph woke up from a sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. So there came a moment in Joseph's life, he, he had to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to listen to the voice of fear or am I going to listen to the voice of faith? There came a moment in Joseph's life, am I going to do what my emotion tells me to do or am I going to respond in character to what God has called me to do? And so Joseph wakes up and he takes her as his wife. He, he, he keeps her a virgin until after she's given birth. She, he honors her. He honors what God is doing. He defeats his fear because he has a relationship with God that is real, And personal. The way that you fight fear is not necessarily with facts. You fight fear through relationship. See, sometimes when fear's out of control, we get really emotional and. And if you're an emotional type, somebody that's not emotional tries to answer your emotion with facts and that just doesn't work. I mean, if you're in emotional mode, facts just, you're like, don't confuse me with the facts. Here's what I'm feeling. And then if you're a facts person and somebody tries to come at you with emotions, it just doesn't work. And so the way that you defeat either of those things is by pulling in close in relationship. Isn't that true in your relationships? Hasn't there ever been a moment there's been a bump in the road and the way that you got over that bump wasn't Hey, here's all the facts or here's all the feelings, but you just got back in their presence. I remember one of the things that happened last year, Pastor Chuck is in February, we had our friend Brad Rhodes preach. And then that night we had our first marriage intensive. And part of that marriage intensive was couples dancing. Now. Uh, 97% of the people in the room did the dance when he called them to dance. There's a small percentage that are like, "We, are you allowed to dance in church? And we're like, yes, you can. That's, that's legal. Uh, but then there's some people that honestly said later, there'd been so much friction in our relationship for so long, it was really uncomfortable. But after they danced together for a few minutes, all that angst began to dissipate. There's something about the power of relationship. And so if you're a note taker today, here's what I want to do is I want to give you some real practical ways that you and I, this season, as we kick off this Advent season, that we can step towards relationship instead of fear. Here's the first thing. I would encourage you to be sensitive to the workings of God this season. Be sensitive to the workings of God this season. The reason why I say that is because what fear will do is it will distort the circumstances. And if you're not careful, you'll think, well, nothing's working out. You'll just get, you'll become negative and you'll, you'll see brokenness everywhere you look. Because that's what fear does. Fear brings out the worst in us. Nobody gets better because fear usually we get worse. And so we start looking around and we're like, man, I can't believe this. The bills, the, the house, the thing. Uh, right And, and so what I would say is instead of looking for everything that's wrong look for what's right where is God at work in your life what are those little moments where you can see God working the angel is helping Joseph see man I know your life is upside down right now Joseph but God's still at work here's a second application point be serious about the word of God be serious about the word of God What's interesting is one of the ways the angel got through to Joseph is the angel literally quoted from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. And so when the angel is speaking to Joseph's fear, he quotes scripture. The angel quotes scripture that Joseph would have known. He would have memorized as a kid. And so I would encourage you, make the Bible a big deal in your life. Sometimes people wonder, well, well, how come I'm anxious all the time? How come there's so much fear? And a lot of times I think it's because we have so much external input into our life We never challenge what the world's telling us with the word of God. And so what I would encourage you to do is spend time in the Bible every single day this season. What do I mean by that? Do I mean weekends? I would say spend time in the Bible every single day, even if it's the weekends. Well, what if it's on the holiday? I would say spend time in the Bible every single day and pray. And if I added a third thing that I've learned from Pastor Chuck, it's write down three things you're grateful for every single day. Now, am I perfect at that? Absolutely not. But when I wake up the next day, I'm like, today, as best as I can, I'm going to read the scripture, I'm going to pray, I'm going to journal what I'm grateful for. So number one, be sensitive to the workings of God. Number two, be serious about the word of God and find a scripture plan. We've got the Advent devotionals in the lobby today. We have the weekday podcast. If you have the Bible app, there's a lot of reading plans. And then the third one is this, be selfless, be selfless about the ways of God. Be selfless about the ways of God this season is perfectly orchestrated for us to buy into the lie that the world revolves around us all the marketing on Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these things are designed to make us become discontent with ourselves and want to answer that discontentment by buying whatever's on sale but here's the truth We are more like God, not when we're selfish, but when we're selfless. And somehow, in the midst of all this fear, Joseph lived life with open hands. And after God spoke to him, he got up. He didn't wait on anybody else to confirm it. He didn't didn't say, well, I'm just going to bounce this off my friends. Instead, what he did is he put fear to the side, and he committed himself to what God was up to in his life. Now, obviously, this is hard to preach because we know the end of the story, right? The reason why we have Christmas season is because we know the end of the story. The reason why we can celebrate, we know the end of the story. But can you imagine if Joseph hadn't have done that? Can you imagine if he allowed his life to be marked by fear? Can you imagine how different the story would have played out if he accused her? I can't believe you slipped around. I can't believe you did that. But you and I are able to celebrate some 2,000 years later because a teenage young man and a teenage young woman said yes to God's plan for their life. I know today we've got some of our elementary students in here. That's our prayer for you is that even as an elementary student you would learn to say yes you know, we've got middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room today. That's our prayer, is that even as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, that you'd learn to say yes. Yeah. Honestly, that's our prayer for young adults. That's our, our, our prayer for single adults, for married adults, for uh, retired adults, is that at every age and stage of our lives, we would understand that fear is understandable. Man, no judgment here. Right? No judgment here. It is not something that we want, why? Because it distorts reality. But the way that we defeat that fear is through relationship. And the best way that I know how is to say yes to whatever Jesus is doing. Let me pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. If you're watching online, you're able to pray with us. I'd love for you to be able to do that. But just so I know how to pray for us, I wonder if there's anybody today that would just say, Bobby, pray for me. I I find myself in the middle of fear. I find myself, man, things didn't go as i had hoped they would or things didn't turn out the way that I'd planned they would. And would you pray for me that I wouldn't allow fear to sabotage this Christmas season? If that's you and you'd allow me to pray for you, would you just quietly slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air, just as a way of saying, hey, would you pray for me today? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You can put your hands down. As we pray, maybe there's never been a moment that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's where this whole relationship starts. Maybe today would be the day that you would say in your head and your heart, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to step out of heaven and into my heart and save me. Help me to live for you. If that's the desire of your heart, God will save you, rescue you, make you whole. In fact, if you pray that for the first time today, I'd love to chat with you right after the service or you can drop us an email, hello at sugarhillchurch.com. We'd love to help you take that next step in knowing him. But for the many believers in the room and watching online, maybe today uh, you realize that the, the enemy has used uncertainty and doubt and fear in your life to keep you at distance from God. That tagline's so true that we never get closer to God than our fear allows us. Maybe today you want to say, Jesus, help me to replace that fear with trust. Jesus, help me to see you at work in this moment. Lord, help me to be committed more to your word than the words of this world. Help me to live a selfless life, not a selfish life. Through Jesus, we come to you today just open and honest that we don't have this all figured out. We're not perfect. We're on this journey. But Father, would you help us to respond in a similar way that Joseph responded, that instead of allowing fear to have the final word, that we'd replace that fear with faith and trust in you. And God, for anybody that doesn't know you or they feel a million miles from you today, Father, I pray pray that you would fill that gap with relationships. Just a moment we'll finish praying we'll stand and sing Zach and the team's going to lead us but I want to encourage you maybe in this moment that thing that you're fearing is the thing that you want to just voice to God today God you know this thing and maybe that thing that's been an interruption might be that invitation that you would say God would you help me to see what you're inviting me to heavenly father we trust you today we're so grateful that we can come to you in relationship Help us not to be afraid that we'll always trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together as the team leads us. I'd love for us to sing this out as a confession, as our prayer today before we leave.
1: One quick piece of business that I should have taken care of earlier and got started coughing and just totally messed it up, so please forgive me. If you're new around here, we don't do a lot of business in uh, Jesus time on Sunday morning, but we have to do this every year, and that is uh, two weeks from today, we have to approve an operating budget for the new year. And so I want to give you a heads up about two things on your way out the door on the left and right-hand table. You'll see a copy of our proposed operating budget for the year, And if you'd pick that up, if you have any question at all, just direct those to Pastor Bobby, and he'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. For those of you that are wondering, uh, well, what is our operating budget? It's $3.5 million. If you're saying, how does that uh, relate to this year? It's slightly less than what you've given this year. And uh, so we're uh, we're trying to manage well and expect well and see what God does. We're also asking you in two weeks to help us vote on a change in our fiscal year where We've been a calendar year for 136 years as an organization, but it would really be nice if we could end our fiscal year on July 31 and start a new fiscal year, August 1. Uh, A third of our budget comes in in the last six or eight weeks, which, by the way, we're in the middle of that stretch right now. So uh, it'd be nice for us to be able to manage that going into into the new year and know what's already in there so that come summertime, we don't have to scramble. So in two weeks, we'll vote on that and just wanted to let you know. But here's the good word for the day. As you leave, let this Jesus that Bobby's talked so well about today go before you and make a way. Let him make your crooked path straight. The great news is you can let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And maybe the best news of all is that when things get difficult, He doesn't run away from you. He runs to you. And you can let him pick you up and carry you, not around the problem, but through the middle of it, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead, wrap you up in his loving arms and say, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you, friends. Have a great week. Go in peace.